So if you were going to open your own restaurant, given what you know about the health department, would you open it in Long Beach or would you open it somewhere else? Oh, that is a tough question. <laughs> so you think the Democratic Party cares about black people? Believe it or not, Rex, I think that tweet is part of the problem. Do you feel like we could have addressed this homeless issue much sooner? If you have to speak a word, make it a good one. Welcome back to The Word. I'm your host, Jackie Ray. I am so excited because we used to do this thing here on The Word where I would bring a reporter on once a month so you could get to know them. I stopped doing that mostly because people would give me the stank eye. They didn't want to be in front of camera. They don't like the camera the way that I do, which is fine. But Caitlin and I have quickly become great friends and we talk a lot. We hang out. She's an amazing food reporter for the Long Beach Post. She's been in the middle of a lot of things. I did not know how messy the Long Beach food scene was until she got here. I think it's very important for you guys to meet her, especially if you're a foodie. So Caitlin Antonio's food reporter for the Long Beach Post is joining me today. Thanks for having me. I know this is going to just be like two friends talking. So get comfortable, you guys. I know. We... <laughs> I have to be. We, we kind of have to put our like filter yeah, on a little a bit. A little bit. <laughs> Can't give you all the tea. but. Right. I'm so glad you're here. So let's just talk about you in general. Let's talk about your journalism um, background before we get into all the fun stuff. So how did you start your career in journalism? So I always knew I wanted to write. I come from a family. My dad's a doctor. And so he very much um, kind of tried to steer us towards the STEM sort of realm. Um, and I knew I wanted to write. I didn't quite know what – there was like a fleeting moment when I was very young where I thought about journalism, but I had never met a journalist. I didn't really know like what that meant. Um, so I kind of just moved on from that idea. And then in college, I was an English major. I went to UC Irvine. I was an English major and uh, I joined the school newspaper. And my first assignment was just covering like – grad students putting on concerts like mm. f towards their PhD or master's I can't remember um, and like they were totally free they were like in the middle of the day I had a ton of fun going I was right. like this is like a great break in my school day um, so I wrote a story that was kind of like there was nobody at these concerts they're free they're from our students like more people should go to these um, and I got a couple emails from people within the music department who were like, hey, thanks. Like, this is really cool. We always feel like, you know, our stuff isn't promoted or paid attention to on campus. And I got the bug. I was like, oh, I get it. Like, this is what I meant to do. And so I added literary journalism on as a second major, but that kind of became like my primary. Like, that's where I poured all my energy into, stayed with the the school paper all four years, joined the radio so I could kind of get some broadcast experience Oh, that's experience why you weren't bit. afraid to be. Everybody else in the newsroom was like, are you not going to be on camera? You were like, yeah, I'll do it. I mean, yeah, it's not it's not my favorite. Like, I don't love being in like our Instagram reels, okay. as you may know. Um, <laughs> but talking about my job is something I really love doing. Right. So right. I don't mind coming and doing that. And I'll probably never watch this, so... I was just going to like pretend it doesn't happen. <laughs> you can talk, but you just don't want to see it. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like never going to look at myself because then I'll, I'll spiral. That is hilarious. Okay. So then after college, what was your first job? So I went to grad school oh, okay. because I, so the program at UCI is great, but it's literary journalism. So it's like all long form, like magazine style writing. So I was like applying for internships and applying for jobs that were like, you know, asking for news clips and my clips were like 
here's a 5,000 words. Yeah, yeah. 15 pages oh, on God. <laughs> recreating, you know, this Rolling Stones concert or whatever it was. Um, so one of my professors was like, well, grad school might be what you got to do if you really want this. Um, and my parents were pushing me to go to grad school. So I went to Columbia, um, did an investigative journalism like major, it was like this separate program you have to apply into um, at Columbia. So I got my master's there and then I graduated during the pandemic. So I spent a year uh, freelancing and I'm very grateful for the people who took a chance on me because uh, I got to work with some really good newsrooms and projects. I worked at this local publication called The City uh, writing obituaries for mm. months um, of people who and, and the whole philosophy behind that was getting an obituary in an established paper costs money mm -hmm. and these people who were dying of COVID-19 especially very early were from low-income areas black and brown did not have the resources some of them didn't speak English like their families didn't speak right. English and so the philosophy of the team that put uh, it's called Missing Them Project together, um, where like, we need to do this for free and we need to try to document as many of these people's stories as we can. So I wrote obituaries for months um, and then did a couple of stories off of that as well. And then moved back to California because I knew I wanted to report here because I'm from this area and, and I really wanted to come back and tell stories here. Uh, so I worked with Cal Matters, um, which is kind of like a st focused on state policy, and that was all COVID coverage still. Um, and so I did kind of more accountability data journalism. It was all based on like public records requests. Um, and then in 2021, I got a job with the Orange County Register Works there um, and started as a breaking news, like crime and public safety reporter and then shifted into food. Um, and then that's a shift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did that happen? Um, it happened because I was burnt out and oh, okay. I, the crime and public safety, you know, it takes a toll on you. Breaking news takes a toll on you. And so it got to a point where I was like, okay, I need to start looking for another job. And I was really like, I liked where I lived. I liked the people I worked with. So I didn't want like this radical change. So I looked within the um, like Orange County Register to see if there were any job openings. I thought maybe I'll switch to a local reporter. At least that way I can kind of do, you know, more community-based stories that, you know, even if they're sad, usually there's like a touch of hopefulness or at least, you know, there was just like something that was more appealing about that. Uh, and then the food reporter position came up and I it was like a, I don't know, it was just this moment where I was like, Oh, this is my perfect job. Like, okay, this is this is my dream job. Mm -hmm. It just never seemed attainable, and then suddenly this job was there, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna apply." Um, and thankfully, I got it. So that's how I started in the food world. But I've always been a foodie. Um, I've always loved food, and I've always been interested in the business behind food. Mm -hmm. So getting to report on it is a real joy. What were some of your favorite stories doing in Orange Orange County as far as the the food scene out there? Yeah, it was a little bit different than the stories I've been doing here. Yeah. It was more <laughs> uh, like more features type of writing. Um, 
one of the last stories. So I did a couple stories that I was really proud of about just like the health department. And it was just scratching the surface of kind of looking into the health department. Um, but it was just kind of talking about the process. Like I felt like I learned a lot um, and I got some good data on like what the most common causes are for a restaurant to get shut down. It's cockroaches. Spoiler alert. That's a good reason. At least reason. in Orange County. <laughs> um <laughs> So you have to have, probably have to have a massive amount though, right? Or is it just Oh no, no. Oh, okay. You just see one and it's Oh wow. Yeah, because they can carry bacteria back of course, and forth. Yeah. So yeah, if you see one that that usually means there's more too. Obviously, like, yeah. It's, I used to work in property management. We used to say where there's one, there's a million. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um so those stories were very interesting to me. Um I got to do a story that was really fun. Uh about this Syrian family that owns a Syrian restaurant. And it was great because like half this, the interview was in Arabic and that was just like, it felt oh, yeah. very nice and homely. I speak Arabic, I'm Lebanese. Um, and that's like the primary language that my parents spoke my whole life. Um, so that was like really fun. Like I never, I never was able to tell somebody like, you know, we, we started in English and then at a certain point they were like, wait, do you speak Arabic? And I was like, yeah, like I can definitely understand if you want to do the interview in Arabic, you know, we can do that. And like it instantly like broke open the story for me because they were so much more comfortable and we were talking about, you know, these like shared experiences. So that was a really um, like special experience for me. And yeah, I mean, you know, Orange County's got, I think people don't think it's that diverse. Food-wise, though, it really is. Like, there is really a lot there. Um, so it it was fun covering places that I grew up, you know, being around. So how do you make your way to the post? So um, somebody reached out to me that I knew from that previous job, and they knew that the post was looking for a food writer. And so they were like, would you consider this are you interested and I was really happy at my other job so I kind of did like a preliminary interview with one of the editors here and was just kind of like what am I getting myself into mm -hmm. what is it gonna be like um and for me like I'm a very I think I'm very self-motivated so I don't love being in an environment where it's like do this do right. this do this like I want to go and find stories that I find interesting and I, I want to be trusted that those will resonate. And so um, I kind of got the impression that this job would be like that. And so that kind of really convinced me that, you know, I would be moving to a good situation. Um, so then I went through the whole interview process um, and came in and it was like an in-person interview. I was so nervous. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it, it was a pretty fast process, though, right. which was really nice. I didn't realize that the post was pretty desperate for a, for a food writer. Um, and so the whole thing happened within like a month, I think, from like first initial contact to getting hired and then – I moved over May 1st was my first day. So I've been here now like four months, I think. It's so funny because we're all very close at the post. We we get along amazingly well. It's like such a good crew. We hang out all the time. And so um, I myself, I sit by Thomas, who's our other our visual editor. And so I have my little cube and then I we have cubes, right? So I would have a cube mate. So my cube mate before Caitlin, I, I had and I'm 
I am a very I like who I like type person. <laughs> you know what I mean? So so when that previous person left and then Melissa was like, okay, we're gonna sit here in the same spot. And I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, I am not gonna, uh, no, no. I need to interview her if she's gonna be my cube mate. And Melissa was like, calm down, you'll be fine. And so when you first came in, I was like so nervous cause I was like, oh my God, I, I don't wanna have another cube mate that's just gonna like latch onto my hip and expect <laughs> me to like show them the world. You know what I mean? I was like, I don't want it. <laughs> So, but when you came in, it was just like instant. If I felt like I yeah. knew you forever. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I think my very first day, you didn't come into the office that mm -hmm. day. And so, you know, I saw your name. I knew who you were in the post, but I was like, oh, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. <laughs> like I kind of had wished I could just get out all the introductions on that first day. Right. But then like knowing I still needed to meet you was like really nerve wracking. Um, and then... Yeah, it was great. I mean, I was so, she now has left that cubicle. I have, our visuals team have, we're in a fishbowl office. <laughs> which was so, like, so depressing. <laughs> I know, because we established this great relationship. Right, and then it was, it was like, Bye. And it was so easy, because, and I think both of us, like, we work when we work, and then we need, like, breaks, and yeah. we need to just kind of, like, you know, especially me, like I'm the type where like I'll work really intensely and be very focused for like 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then like I have to go like talk to somebody. Right. Yeah. Um, get out of this mess. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was like so easy to just swivel my chair and like swerve over to you and then start chatting. Now I have to walk all that way. Getting your steps in though. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's so great because um, I've learned so much. One of the first stories, uh, you and I kind of worked on together. And it wasn't that she needed me, it's just I had already kind of been involved in that story. I had no idea the intricacies of the health department. Um, and your background and and explaining that and, and just how understaffed they are and how they're all kind of just winging it is, is so surprising. I was shocked. I was like, oh, well, this makes a little bit more sense, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's an element of the dining out experience that people don't think about. Mm -hmm. um, it's, and it, it's so is deeply intertwined with the business of being a restaurant. I, I mean, sometimes I say I'm a food reporter. Sometimes I say I'm restaurants and dining reporter, but really I think of myself as a business reporter. Mm -hmm. It just happens that all the businesses I cover are restaurants. Right. But that was an advice that was given to me when I moved into the beat um, at the Orange County Register. The Register's old food critic, Brad Johnson, gave me that advice. And then one of the other um, food reporters who now is at Business Insider, her name's Nancy Luna. She's incredible. She also gave me that advice because I started reaching out to people like, how do I do this? And when they said that, I was like, oh, OK, that's like I get it. I get what this job is like I know the stories that I want to tell um, and that I'm interested in but thinking of it from that lens of like this is a business there are a million different things that affect this business and that ultimately affects you because you're the one eating at this business uh, and the health department and health inspections and permits and plan checks and all of those things that go into getting a restaurant up and running is something people don't think about very often. Yeah, and you're working on a story now about, I think somebody that just took over a coffee shop and didn't really change anything, but now is not, are they, are they still not open? No, they're not open. The steps it takes to get a business open in this city is very difficult. 
And it's always that balance of keeping in mind, like, yes, things need to be safe. Things need to be healthy for the public to go into and all of those things. So it's this constant balancing act of, you know, the city has to do its job. These restaurants have to abide by it. But mm-hmm. what I hear from restaurant owners and other businesses as well is that the timelines are extremely long. I know one restaurant took them 18 months to get open. Which, so they're paying the lease during that 18? Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and the the timelines are extremely long. The messaging is very confusing of what you can and can't do because it's based on different ex- inspectors having different expectations. Um, you know, it's it's all these things that you're battling and really it's it's – you know, most restaurants are kind of a money sink. Mm-hmm. Profit margins are, you know, they can be 8%. They can be 20%. Like if you're at 20% profit margin, you're re- you're rolling in it. You're like, your restaurant's doing really good. Um, but it's, you know, closer probably is like the average of 15. So when you think about, like people think that restaurants make a lot of money because you're paying a lot every time right. you go eat. And I get that. Um, but there is so much cost that goes into running a restaurant. To to swipe a credit card, you have to have a POS system mm-hmm. that costs money that you have to pay every month. You have to pay, uh, you know, obviously your staff. And some restaurants can provide benefits. Some restaurants don't. That's a whole other thing we can get into. Um there's, you know, constant permits, there's inspections, there's taxes, there's, uh, you know, there's all these different levels of expenses that go beyond just purchasing the food and paying somebody to cook it, which obviously, especially with the cost of food prices, is also very high right now. You know, people always say, you know, just make it at home, it's cheaper. At this point, it's kind of not. Like, it's it's starting to become very even, which usually is very good for the restaurant business Mm -hmm. because that means that people are willing to not spend three hours cooking and they'll just go out and eat. Mm -hmm. So usually when that happens, it's very good for restaurants. Um, But it's, it's a constant up and down. You constantly have to get people in the door. It's a very competitive business, you know, because people feel very strongly about where they want to go and what they like and what they don't like. It's also very subjective. Social media is now an element that restaurants have to combat. So it's a tough, tough industry. And behind all of that, my favorite sort of stories to cover are the mom and pop shops because it's so tied to, you know, a lot of mom and pop shops, um, start because immigrant families come to this country and they know they can cook. They know they can share their food. They know that they love to be hospitable. And a restaurant is a financial, um, you know, it's a money-making avenue for them mm-hmm. when, you know, they can't get another job. Um, so it's, There's food intersects so much with so many different areas of life. And that's why I love it. Sorry, that was a very long answer. That was a great (laughs) answer. Okay, so this is a tough question. So if you were going to open your own restaurant, given what you know about the health department, would you open it in Long Beach or would you open it somewhere else? Oh, that is a tough question. (laughs) I think if I was to take the advice of restaurant owners here in the city, probably wouldn't. You to would, be honest, mm-hmm. I don't think I would in this city. Um, 
you know, it sucks to say that. Like, it right. sucks that restaurant owners feel that way. You know, and, and I should say that there are some owners who have told me working with the city has been great. Mm-hmm. So it is a mixed bag of experiences. But when it isn't great, it's really bad. And, and it's very costly mm-hmm. and it's very stressful and detrimental. So that's not to say that every single restaurant that I've spoken to has told me that they've had a bad experience. Some of them say they've had really good experiences and that makes me really happy. That's a good thing for the city. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the ones who have shared those concerns, uh, it's really bad. So if it's kind of like a, I don't know what situation I'm going to get, I'd err on the side of caution and probably not open up here. So you've been involved in the messiness. I did not know the, the food scene was so messy. Some, some I didn't either. <laughs> some of the mess, I don't want to say I caused, I just aired, at, aired it out. And yeah. then you kind of caught the downhill spiral of that. So uh, what has been some of the things that really surprised you about the messiness in the food scene in Long Beach? Maybe it's me being naive. Um but I just kind of assume that everyone that's involved in the industry, like, is very like kumbaya. That's we what I thought We all want <laughs> each other to succeed. It's food. It's comforting. We all like, want, yeah. We all mm-hmm. want to support each other. And and I don't want to sound like that. It doesn't exist. Right. It does exist within the restaurant owners. I mean, I was talking to a restaurant owner the other day who was like, every single person on the street is like my neighbor in arms. Like we get along great. The community is great. So, you know, I'm not trying to say that that there's no sense of community because that's not true. There very much is. I think what was surprising to me is that people don't know what a food reporter is. Like they don't understand what the job is. And so there I've come up against a lot of preconceived notions about what I'm doing there, why I'm there, how this is all going to work. And so it takes a bit of like okay, look, like I'm not here to to take your food. I'm not here to be your personal PR person. Mm-hmm. I'm here to share a story and I'm here to do my due diligence um, and I'm here to, to write it in a way. And that takes trust with every reporter. It, there is a level of trust when you share your story that they're going to represent you correctly or accurately or fairly, I should say. Um, and so... That's been the biggest surprise is, you know, walking into a restaurant and then, you know, I'll reach out to the restaurant and be like, hey, like, I'd love to to cover or do something about your restaurant opening. And I'll walk in and they'll be like, here's food. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to take your food. Um, I'll buy your food, but I'm not here to just take. Um, all I want to hear from you is your your story. Um So that's been the biggest surprise. I mean, there's always a level of drama. Again, with business, like, it's somebody's livelihood. Right. It gets very extreme, you know. Um, So, so yeah, I think that that surprised me, the preconceived notions. And, um, yeah, it's a little bit sad, too. That was surprising. Like, it's it's a bummer um, because those stories, which I do think are very newsworthy, can sometimes overshadow these businesses. Um, And ultimately, I see my job as somebody who shares what businesses are going through. Mm -hmm. And food obviously plays a role in that. But like I said, I really see myself as a business reporter. 
It's funny that you said people have a preconceived notion. I always think of the critic from Ratatouille, you know, because that's what I thought a food reporter was. Because if if those of you who didn't know, didn't know my story, how I even became on, I got on Melissa's radars because I had applied for the food reporter job. I am a broadcast journalist by trade. I'm used to being in front of the camera, um, news anchor, general assignment reporter for television. So when I applied, I had just got back from overseas from being a news anchor overseas. And so when I sent my resume in, Melissa was so kind because she called me and she goes, hey, so um, your resume is really good, but I think you sent it to the wrong people. Um, because we're a newspaper and you just applied for the food reporter position. I'm like, no, 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 I meant to. And she goes, do you have any food writing experience? I go, no. She goes, what do you think it is? And I was like, I get to go around and eat a bunch of free food. She goes, that's not at all what it is. And I go, oh, sorry. She goes, I said, well, do you want to, she said, yeah, no, we can't, we can't use you, but your stuff is great. I just wanted to make sure you got it to the right person, which I thought was so sweet, but everything works out. Everything happens for a reason. Cause if. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, just to say, I applied for, uh, I think, like the investigative reporter oh, position yep. here mm-hmm. back in like 2021. I think I sent Melissa like 10 emails, like follow ups. She clearly never she forgets. <laughs> never answered me or gave me a call. I did bring that up in my interview, too. They're like, how'd you hear about that post? I'm like, well, I sent you guys a lot of emails. Um, (laughs) but, but that goes to your point. Like God puts you where you're supposed to be. Absolutely. here I am, you know, two years later and in a position that is much more, not to say that I couldn't have done the investigative decision. I'm just kidding. But, um, yeah, like I just, I think I was meant to do this. I love how like you're exactly right. Cause our newsroom, that was my other fear is because our newsroom is so good. And I was like, oh, my gosh, if we get somebody that doesn't fit our chemistry, what are we going to do? No, that's what literally Tim (laughs) Grobady, our incredible columnist. Mm -hmm. I sit across from him and, uh, you know, it was my first day I had been hired. And, you know, there I think him and Melissa were like checking in on me that first day. And Tim said he's like, you know, we've got a good group here. Don't mess it up. I mean, I think he used some profanity in there, but... Of course he did. I loved him. <laughs> I know. And, like, we, like, laughed, but in my head, I was like, I know that you he's serious? not joking. Because <laughs> I could tell, because everyone was very close, and I was worried I, like, wouldn't find my place, um, and thankfully... And it was quick. Everyone's great. Yeah. I mean, everyone's great, and that's what I love about food. Everyone can talk about food. You could be the most polar opposite from somebody, but you both got to eat. And that's so true. You know, and that's what's like, not to get too like ooey gooey about it, but like, it's so beautiful. Sometimes it like makes me emotional because it's like, everyone has a food experience. Whether you grew up eating canned, you know, ravioli, or you grew up with a mom who cooked three times a day for the whole family or you grew up eating out you know everyone has a story to share when it comes to food it really does and you brought up ratatouille i mean that's my favorite movie i love that movie (laughs) because it you know when you have a bite of something that can make you feel like that's the most human beautiful thing ever and again food And the industry of food intersects with so many different things. It intersects with class. It intersects with culture. It intersects with race. It intersects with gender. Like there are so many things that you can explore through food and the food industry that go beyond just a set of ingredients together. 
I thank you for coming on. This that was this is so good because I do think sometimes like uh, my mom used to say this all the time when when my brother and I were arguing about something. She would always say, "You guys need to just sit at the table." If you can bring people to the table, you can figure things out. And she would always like make us sit at the table and we wouldn't talk for a while because, you know, stubborn. Um, but, you know, you start eating and then you, you eventually say something like, can you pass me, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then this, this dialogue starts. And I, I, I love that you said that because I do think exactly what you said. Some of our biggest problems in the world, like if we could just sit down and sit at the table, eat. That's one of my favorite things. People tell me all the time, like, do you want to go eat? Yeah, fine. I don't even ask where we're going um, because I know me, I, I, I'm not a very, if you don't bring me someplace new, I'm not trying anything new. Yeah. Like okay, I have a very just kind of, I know what I like, you right. know what I mean? And I, and I know what tastes good to me and I'm going to eat that. And so I won't venture out on my own. So when people say, hey, Jackie, come try this. I'm like, okay, sure. And I've always like, and then I have a new favorite restaurant. Right. And so I do think it's a beautiful experience. It's a shared experience we all have. So I thank you for uh, being our food reporter. Because you're so great at what you do. Thank you. I appreciate it. I feel very privileged to be in this position. Like, I really do recognize that these are, this is somebody's livelihood. And I, and I very much take that with care. This is, you know, when I'm covering people who cook their own culture's food, I'm very cognizant of that. Like this is a window into somebody's soul, right? Um, and I'm very cognizant of that. So I'm very humbled constantly and I and I really do take this as a privilege to be able to do this job. It is a privilege. This whole thing is a privilege to be in a newsroom. I've been, I've been doing this a lot longer than you. And uh, to be in a newsroom like this where you're comfortable yeah. is just not the norm. So we're just, we're just blessed all across the board. Amen. Yeah. And we would love for you guys to continue to help us do what we do, bring you this great journalism. So if you're not a member, please do me a favor and become a member. Go to lbpost.com slash join. You can become a member for as little as $8 a month. It really helps us do what we love to do and get you the food place places that you might not have tried before and news that you can use to better your community and your life. So thank you for joining us on this episode of The Word. And remember, if you have to speak a word, make it a good one. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.